This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about something that you may or may not have heard about. I came across this idea for the first time maybe four or five years ago, somewhere in there. And psychology and sociology, they kind of work together in a lot of ways and have started to teach about something called an in-group and out-group bias. So that means that we more easily and more quickly identify with people who agree with us on big topics like religion, politics, or what sports team we root for, or maybe the kind of music or TV shows that we like. Um, You know, we can easily think of how many conversations we've heard in our lives where someone said something like, what, you call yourself a music fan and you like, and then they say some pop music or some metal music or some rapper or some whatever, where they're like, oh, that stuff's trash. If you call yourself a music fan, you can never like that. Or you've heard someone say, oh, so you're a movie fan. Oh, but you haven't seen every one of the top 50 ranked movies on IMDb? Uh, I I don't really know. We see how easy it is for people to start to create Us versus them. The people who think like me, those are the people that are in my circle, that are in my, as psychology and sociology teach and talk about, my in-group. And that means that everybody who's not a part of that is part of my out-group. And it's really easy for us to start to categorize because we really like to find the people who like the same stuff we like and think the same way that we think. And it's just more natural. It's easier to be around when you don't have to explain the reason that you feel the way you feel about something. And then we start to think of these two groups in very different ways. We think of our in-group as being made up of smart, diverse, thoughtful people. And if we're honest, we think of the out-group as people who are idiots, who have, they all have the same stupid ideas in their surprisingly stupid heads, right? I mean, we don't say that kind of stuff out loud, but it can be really easy to fall into thinking that way. And so I want to say a few things, and I want you to see if any of these rile you up a little bit. I'm not going to say which, if any, of these things that I actually think. I'm just going to see if I can get you to realize how quickly and easily our walls go up, we start to circle the wagons when we hear information that we agree or disagree with. So maybe when we hear somebody say, you know, I'm going to start with maybe some less intense things and then work our way up to some things that we probably have some more 
significant feelings about. So when you hear somebody say, country music is amazing, or when someone says, man, just hearing country music puts me in a bad mood, right? You probably hear that and you think, oh, the pro-country or the anti-country music person, man, I don't get where they're coming from. I don't think I'd really want to spend time with that person because we just don't share the same interests there. Or this is a, a practical one that I had a housemate that we had this disagreement. When a new roll of toilet paper goes on, does the roll uh, spin or I don't know what you call it, does it unroll over the top? or under the bottom of the roll, right? So you could always tell who replaced the roll in this house, and I would always switch it back because I'm like, no, that's wrong. This is what I want. This is what I like. This is the way the world is, right? But then when we actually move on to more serious things, we start to see that these groups that we form our teams that we establish to defend our ideas and to be locked in arms with the people who think like us, who see the world the same way that we do, and that we can rally together with to argue or to shout down or to try to, I don't know, do what we can to dismantle the other side's argument or way of thinking. And I, I'm going to say a few things here that are more serious that I'm guessing if you kind of laughed off those first couple examples, which was the point, uh, these next couple, there's probably going to be an actual feeling that you have when you hear this. So some people fall into the camp of thinking that guns don't kill people, people kill people. And others fall into the camp thinking guns are a problem that we need to figure out how to solve. There are others who uh, would say, and they fall into either your in-group or your out-group, probably. I would say Donald Trump is the best president we've ever had. And there are others that would say Donald Trump is the worst president that we've ever had. Now, I'm guessing that whether it was in those not-so-serious things or in those last two more serious things, that you found yourself going, hey, no, whoever says that, you're, you're not with me. You're not my person, right? You're not on my in-group. You're not on my team. You don't see the world the same way that I see the world. But if you remember in a previous episode of talking about what it looks like to be clothed in Christ, Paul writes that there are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. What he's doing is he's breaking down those walls and he's trying to help us understand that in Christ, we're together, we're united. And so the groups 
that we can so easily form, it's key for us to try to figure out where our core identity lies. Because if we find that our core identity lies in the way we, hopefully the, the joke examples aren't where you find your core identity, right? On the what kind of music you like or how you like your toilet paper roll to be spinning one way or the other. But it is kind of easy, isn't it, to find our identity with politics, with the way that we turn on the TV and whichever channel you go to, you hear the news through a certain filter. And that filter teaches you that, hey, right now when you're listening to us, you're with your people. This is your in-group. These are the people that you can trust, who are intelligent, who are wise, who have thought this through, who have the solutions, who, hey, we don't agree about everything, but we rally around these ideas. And the people who don't think like us, they don't know what they're talking about. They're heartless or they're naive or they're stupid or they're, right? This is the way that we all too easily can be convinced to think. And a lot of these psychologists and sociologists, when they study, they look and say, well, it does make sense. Because for most of human history, people have been living in smaller groups you know, they've been living with their immediate and extended family and people who were hunter-gatherers or people who were agricultural or people who were living in these smallish communities that had no real concept of cities and massive cities on the scale that we're currently living in, it made sense that they viewed the world as us versus them because we need to defend our territory we need to make sure that our family is taken care of and we we talked about that uh, view world view of looking at the world through the lens of scarcity uh, last episode and what we see is over and over and over it's really easy and it's really natural for us to think that way. I want to read a verse from Proverbs chapter 16. It's verse 32. It says, One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. Now those things, a mighty person or a mighty warrior, or someone who captures a city, these are things that people would aspire to to be, the at that time, a man of renown, someone that people would know your name because of your heroics on the battlefield or your heroics in planning and executing this coup or whatever it was that you had accomplished. And instead, what this verse is saying is one who is slow to anger, one whose temper is controlled, that is actually what it looks like to be a person who others can and should look up to because that's quite an amazing thing. And it's a really simple idea. That's 
all I'm going to be talking about in this episode is that we live in this world, this culture. I've, I've heard it before called outrage culture where, you know, we watch on social media for something that we can argue against and we rally and I get my people who agree with me. You get your people who agree with you and we don't do battle anymore, but we do kind of. I mean, if you look at the things people say to each other, you look at the way that they think about other people who don't agree with them that aren't part of their group, it's pretty ugly. And attached to this idea of being slow to anger and controlling our temper, uh, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that I love where Paul writes that we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I've got to say, for me, uh, being around our counselors a lot has been a really good thing because they often, they take the time to go to, I don't know, I guess the best way to say it is they go to kind of the next level of what's going on behind the scenes in people's actions and the way it's playing out in their lives. And they see some things that I don't notice naturally. So if I tell a story or someone else tells a story about something that happened, you know, I hear the story and think, wow, that person was being a jerk. And our counselors, they say, oh, okay, well, that person or you, Alan, or whoever was involved, was involved in that story, um, they were acting out of fear or they were acting that way because they were hurt or they were acting that way because they were uncertain of what, you know, and they, they look at things from a next level perspective. And what I feel, I'm like, well, that's just an excuse. They were just being a jerk. They say, no, they were acting out of fear. They were coming from this place where they didn't, they didn't really know how to handle it and maybe said or did something that they regret or wouldn't have done. And for me, to have that, um, I don't know that I would call it tension, but to have that pushback on the way that I naturally think. Because you see what I'm doing there again, right? I'm creating us versus them. And I'm saying, no, no, no. The people who do that, the people who react that way, they're not my people. They're the jerk people. They're not like me. And what our counselors force me to look at and to think twice about is, no, they are like you and me. And they're dealing with something right now. And what that's doing is, is not making them, because that's not the way to think about it. But it's uh, putting them in a position where they're now responding out of fear, out of hurt, out of uncertainty, out of all these 
things that if I was dealing with it, I would view it as a legitimate reason why I felt the way that I felt. But when I watch somebody else do it, it's really easy to just go, ah, kind of write them off in the moment, not for good, but to say, oh, the, those aren't really my people. They're not, you know, that's not someone I would want to spend a whole lot of time around. And when we see that what God is trying to do in our lives is to help us get that controlling, that anger, and that temper that in the moment makes us want to cut people off, want to categorize them as other, that's going to make us want to come up with reasons and justifications and explanations for why we don't want to be around that person, why we don't want to spend a whole lot of time around um, them or live life with them or near them or together in relationship right? We start to bump people out and say, well, I've got this group of people who are in and you're not one of them. So see you later. And you know, we don't only do that for things that in the moment are legitimate. You know, just like Paul wrote that we talked about in that previous episode, um, when he talks about Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. We bump people out sometimes. We say, well, you know, it's just easier for me to be around people who share my same background, my same culture. It's just easier for me to be around people who are my same gender. It's easier to be be around people that have a similar amount of money that I have. We start to make these lines We start to draw these circles and say, okay, this is who's in, this is who's not in. And this doesn't just play out in our lives when it comes to us reacting to a legitimate frustration that someone said something or did something or something that they shouldn't have done. That's not the only way that we categorize. And if we're honest with ourselves, we see that it's really easy and really natural for us to start insulating ourselves from differing ideas, from differing opinions, from differing ways of viewing the world by surrounding ourselves with people who think the way that we think. And what I really believe that God is wanting to help us see is that there's a bigger world when we stop doing that, when we stop bumping people out, when we stop um, deciding who's in and who's not based on some things that make us frustrated in the moment, but some things that aren't going to last forever, some things that aren't eternal, some differences that, hey, you know what, we can agree to disagree, we can see the world in a different way, but at the end of the day, we both want what's best for each other, and we both want what's best for the people around us, and we both want to see God's kingdom come 
a little bit more on earth today than it was yesterday. And when we get that, when we take that perspective, I really think that it helps us to get to that point, like Paul writes about in Corinthians, of taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. And when you start to change the way that you see the world, it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some work. It's not going to be a natural thing, especially, especially not at first. But it's going to take a long time of, of thinking this new way that doesn't categorize people as in or out so quickly because it's easy. It's natural. It's the way if we don't think that we do things and what I think God is inviting us into is to change that, to stop bumping people out, to stop viewing people who don't think just like us as way out of line, who they don't know what they're talking about, they don't know where they're coming from. And I, I want to end this episode with an idea from Ephesians 3. Paul as he often does, he, he writes and communicates his love for people in an extraordinary way. And as he's thinking of the people in Ephesus, he writes in Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I really believe that that strengthening through his spirit in our inner being, I really think that that's the way that God can bring about this change that moves us from writing people off out of anger, writing people off because they see the world a different way than we do, writing people off because we have some disagreement that we could never, in our minds, that we could never move past and coming to see everybody that we interact with as created in God's image and worthy of love and value and respect. That's a whole lot more beautiful of a way to view the world, isn't it?